Welcome, welcome, welcome into Moments of Genius here on CMRU.ca by Students For You. My name is Peter Roman, and this is amazingly episode 20 of the quarantine edition of my show. I want to thank everyone for listening in. Today, I have four segments, again, just because there's still a lot of sports going on, although we have some leagues starting to wrap up here with their seasons. So I'm going to talk about a little bit of European soccer stuff with the new league season starting up in Europe. I'm also going to talk about NFL Week 3, all 16 games, give a quick run through of those. Also going to discuss the NBA Finals that are starting on Wednesday, so very excited about that. But I have to start today with the Stanley Cup Final, Tampa Bay and Dallas And the Lightning won the Stanley Cup last night to finally get over the hump with this group as they won in game number six over the Dallas Stars with a 2-0 win in the closeout game. Victor Hedman won the Conn Smythe Trophy for MVP. And even though I thought Braden Point was the best player for the Lightning throughout the playoffs... I don't have a problem with Hedman getting the MVP, certainly more than deserving. He wasn't my pick, personally. I thought Point was a little more important, but I can't I can't be mad at the, the decision to go with Hedman just because he is a brilliant defenseman that was all-around spectacular, especially during these Stanley Cup Finals. And for a team like Tampa that got meme treatment so bad last year after they got swept by Columbus and rightfully so I have to give nothing but credit and respect to a team that got embarrassed a year ago and got humiliated compared to their own expectations and then they buck they buckled down worked hard and came back and won a Stanley Cup full credit for the Tampa Bay Lightning for putting in the work and for getting it done in the end. Game 6 itself was not a great game compared to... There, there were a lot of good games, I think, in this series. But Game 6 certainly wasn't one of them. It almost felt like Dallas was just out of gas. They couldn't keep up anymore. And they lost 2 to nothing, but they really generated very little as far as offensive chances in the game. Tampa Bay certainly came out flying, point scored... What ended up being the game-winning goal, the Stanley Cup-winning goal in the game. And it really didn't feel like Dallas ever got a foothold in game number six. It really felt like Tampa was in full control of that game. Which can't be said for game four and five. Game five, Dallas won in overtime. And game four was a little controversial just because we had the Corey Perry putting his stick between points legs incident that was somehow... Not only a penalty for Corey Perry, but also a penalty for Point for embellishment, which, not going to lie, I think that was a terrible call by the official. And that was then followed up by another terrible call, in which case Dallas was on the wrong end of it, and Tampa ended up scoring on that power play. So, I don't know. Game four was disappointing because it was really exciting, but the referees kind of ruined it with bad calls late. But Tampa Bay, I think, were the better team in this series and so definitely can't take anything away from them. Dallas fought really hard but 
I think the Lightning just controlled the play a little bit better. And by the way, Steven Stamkos, I know he barely played at all, but that's that's a fantastic storyline for him in the Stanley Cup Finals, coming on and scoring the goal that he did in the game he got to play. And of course, because he's the captain, he got to hoist the cup. And then, of course, you know, the tradition they pass on to their teammates and stuff like that. But it was really cool to see Stamkos get to do that, even if he wasn't, you know, a super big part of winning with this team. He's still, you know, the captain of the team. He's still one of the big leaders in the side. So, again, full credit, full respect, the Tampa Bay Lightning, Stanley Cup champions. It'll be a weird offseason, though, because normally the teams who win the Cup, every player gets to spend, like, 48 hours with the Cup in the offseason, and they, you know, players tend to do ridiculous things with the Cup. They'll, like, take it skiing or they'll you know, take it boating or something. Like, there, there's a lot of weird things that they do from the cup. In Ovechkin's case, he just drank, like, every gallon of beer he could find <laughs> from the Stanley Cup, which was really fun. But obviously with COVID, it's going to be a little different because you can't go out and party the way that we used to. So will be interesting to see, but I certainly hope Tampa Bay, I hope the players, you know, can spend the time with the cup that they deserve. Because this offseason is going to be really weird because we have free agency and the draft right around the corner. Those two things are going to be happening within the next two weeks. So very excited to keep an eye on that and specifically on what the Calgary Flames might do to improve their team. But that brings a wrap to the Stanley Cup playoffs. Overall, my thoughts, I want to say that the NHL did an exceptional job in the entire playoff run. There were a grand total of zero positive tests in the Edmonton and Toronto bubbles. That is simply a testament to how good the setup was from the National Hockey League. And I have nothing but good things to say about that, really. It was a fantastic job all around. Great organization. And ultimately, just great hockey. It was fantastic to watch. And I know that, you know, they're not going to keep a 24-team playoff going forward. But it was really fun, especially in those early rounds with like five or six hockey games a day type of thing. But Tampa Bay, Stanley Cup champions in the end, absolutely no asterisk. That's, I think, the final point I want to make. No asterisk. They won fair and square. And their, their group finally did it. It had been a long time coming, but their group finally got over the line. And for Dallas... Obviously, there's always the, you know, there's always next year. We'll see. Dallas's team is a little bit interesting to me because it's mostly a veteran core group, but you do have some of those younger players in there. And so it'll be really interesting to see if their younger players can continue their development to help carry what the older players might not be able to do in seasons to come. But that's pretty much it for the Stanley Cup final. Like I said, I'll keep talking about hockey on my show going forward with the draft and free agency coming up. And so definitely be on the lookout for those. But I'm going to move on to the NBA Finals. They're getting set to start on Wednesday. Not today, because today is the American presidential debate. So for obvious reasons, you know, you don't want basketball trying to compete with that ratings-wise. But nonetheless, the conference finals came to a close. On the eastern side, the Miami Heat won in six games over the Boston Celtics. It almost felt like a matter of time, 
But Miami in those close games, they were just really good. They found ways to win those close games. And yeah, the Miami Heat definitely weren't my pick to go to the finals. And I don't think many people would have picked them to go. But there's a reason why they were kind of considered the dark horse. And it's because, you know, if things came together for them, they absolutely could beat any team in the East. And they certainly did beat every team on their way to the finals. Their first finals appearance since 2014, when, of course, LeBron James and Dwayne Wade were on that team when they lost to the San Antonio Spurs. This Heat team is so much different than that, but I'm excited to see, because they'll be underdogs for sure, but nonetheless, a very, a very cheerable underdog, I'll say that. On the western side, the LA Lakers won in five games over the Denver Nuggets. It was kind of a shame I was cheering for Denver, just because Jamal Murray, Canadian, had a exceptional run in the postseason, but it came to an end. In the end, I think Denver didn't quite have enough. They probably were really fatigued from the last two series. Not to mention, they just couldn't stop Anthony Davis and LeBron James. They seemed to be able to stop most of the rest of the roster, but LeBron and AD, just too good for Denver at this point in their trajectory. But this Nuggets team is really young. And they took a huge step forward this season. They beat the Clippers that no one thought they would. So I think Denver should be incredibly proud. This team is going to be a legit contender, I think, for years to come. But this year was maybe just a year too early for the Nuggets. Lakers won the series in five. And so LeBron gets to face one of his former teams in the Miami Heat in the Eastern Conference Final. And so you have Miami and you have L.A. in the finals. Should be a great series. Obviously, the Heat will be underdogs. The Lakers with LeBron and Anthony Davis probably have the two best players in the series. But Miami has an exceptional amount of depth. They have better three-point shooting than I think the Lakers do. And Bam Adebayo gives them really good rim protection. So I would certainly not rule out the heat but i would probably lean the lakers to win the series but should be a fun one nonetheless a lot of good storylines going in the only other note i have from the conference finals was the boston celtics who obviously you know were a little disappointed they didn't make the finals this year because that's now three conference final appearances in the past four seasons but with zero finals appearances they've lost at that stage every single time as far as what the celtics need i think they need some size at the center position or at least someone who can guard the center position because that was pretty obviously a clear weakness throughout the postseason. They couldn't really deal with Bam Adebayo. They had trouble dealing with Serge Ibaka in the previous series. And Joel Embiid, if he had any semblance of help on Philly, that might have been more of a problem in that series. But I think the Celtics definitely have to look at getting a defensive center of some kind who can at least guard the number five position because that was clearly a weakness for them in this postseason. The only other NBA note I want to make, and this doesn't have to do with the finals, it's more about a coaching move, and that was done last night by the Los Angeles Clippers as Doc Rivers has elected to part ways with the organization, and so now the Clippers are looking for a new head coach. Apparently Tyron Lue and Jeff Van Gundy are the two favorites to get the job. Tyron Lue would make a lot of sense to me. Van Gundy, and I'm not, Van Gundy's obviously, he's been a great coach in his career, 
but he's been a broadcaster for the last several seasons. So it's kind of a question of if he does go back into coaching, can he adjust to the way the game is played right now as it stands? I certainly think he's capable, but I think there's a bigger question mark around Van Gundy than there would be with Tyron Lue, for example. Doc Rivers, meanwhile, he's gotten calls already from the Philadelphia 76ers and the New Orleans Pelicans, who both have job openings. If I was Doc Rivers personally, I would go to the Pelicans. Because Philadelphia, if he goes to the Sixers, he's going to be expected to put a square peg in a round hole. And that's just not going to work. I don't think Philly's roster fits well together. And to expect them to start, you know, legitimately winning in the East, especially when Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant are going to be back for the Nets, like, I just don't see it for them. And I don't think it would be a good fit for Doc Rivers. But if he goes to the Pelicans, the reason why I think the Pelicans would be a better fit is because this is a young team with a great amount of talent. And I think Doc Rivers could help nurture the Pelicans into being the good team and he could help get them to where they want to be as opposed to the Philadelphia team that's just, you know, has some talent but's underachieved but doesn't really fit together. And so you're trying to you know, make something fit that shouldn't, or that doesn't, essentially. But anyway, that's just my little thought on the coaching stuff. And that's my NBA segment. So, NFL Week 3 time! Here we go. A lot of games. Like I said, like I've been doing for the last couple of weeks, I'm going to go through every single game, just a quick little snippet. For the games I think are more important, I'll talk about them longer. Thursday night was not an important game, though. It was Miami and Jacksonville. Game ended up being a lot bigger scoreline than I thought it would. Miami won very easily over the Jacksonville Jaguars. So credit to Miami for getting their first one of the season. But, I mean, certainly not a game that I don't think either team is really in contention for a playoff spot this season. The next game, Bears and Falcons. So, Atlanta decided to basically show everybody hey you see that 20 point lead we gave up against dallas last week want to see me do it again and they did it again chicago was down by the exact same score that dallas was and they came back and won just like dallas did because atlanta just collapses on itself and nick Foles played really well in coming in relief but the story in this game was really the Atlanta Falcons because somehow Dan Quinn still has a job in spite of the fact that his team blows leads like nobody has ever in NFL history. And it's pretty obvious that Atlanta's problem is not with their talent and not with their ability to play football, but their, psych their psychological, their mental state of mind when trying to hold a lead is pretty much their problem right now. But... There's a lot of problems with the Falcons on that aspect, but nonetheless, Chicago is 3-0 now, so credit to the Bears, and Nick Foles, of course, as an Eagles fan, will always have a special place in my heart, so nice to see him doing well. Rams and Bills, so the Bills almost did what the Falcons did, but found a way to win late 35-32. I know the pass interference call was, you know, a little questionable late, but the LA Rams are the last team to get the benefit of the doubt on a pass interference call because they're owed like at least 
<laughs> they're owed at least a few really bad ones in crucial games considering the one they got in the NFC Championship game. But that's another reason why I was a little upset though why they took out the review for pass interference. But anyway, that's not the point. Buffalo, I think, was overall the better team. They kind of just crumbled a little bit and then found a way to win late, which is good on them. Josh Allen played really good again in this game. And the Bills, they're, they're going for it. They Obviously, New England is still there in their division, but don't count out Buffalo. I think they're still the favorite in the NFC East. Or sorry, the AFC East. My apologies. The next game, I have the Washington football team and the Cleveland Browns. This game was Cleveland not winning very convincingly, but they found a way to win. And so, good on Cleveland for having a winning record, I guess. But they they have a lot to work out if they want to be a serious contender in the AFC, or at least a contender for a playoff spot nonetheless. The Washington football team, I mean, they're not very good. They beat Philly because Philly sucks, but that's about it. Tennessee and Minnesota. So the Titans won this game by one point. It hasn't been pretty for the Titans, but they've won all three of their games. And there's a story on the Titans that broke this morning. I'm going to get to at the end of the games here because it's kind of important going forward and has has to do with this game. So Minnesota lost their 0-3. They're kind of done. Uh, I don't know. Minnesota's not been very good this season. But again, there's a bigger story to that game. I'll get to that after I'm done the rest of the games. So next one is Raiders and Patriots. So New England won 36-20. to Pretty comfortable win over the Raiders. It was tough coming off a short week and the amount of injuries that they had piled up. But the Patriots, Bill Belichick, what he's doing with that defense, considering they had like almost all of their starters opt out of the season, is nothing short of exceptional. And... Vegas, I think, deserves some credit for playing as well as they have throughout this season, but it does feel like they're a little bit of a flash-in-the-pan team, and they're not really that good, but they come, they sometimes show that they have some potential to be good type of thing, so that's just my thought on the Vegas Raiders. 49ers and Giants. So, San Francisco won this game 36-9. to and the Giants, I mean, could you be more pathetic is basically my thought on them. Because San Francisco trotted out essentially their C team at this point because they have 11 starters missing due to injury, which is hugely significant for any team, let alone a team like San Francisco with their expectations. But the Giants just laid a complete egg. Like, this was just an embarrassing performance from the New York Giants. And... They might be in the running for that number one overall pick, although their crosstown uh, neighbors might have something to say about that. Anyway, the next game. Oh, man. Do I have to talk about this game? I guess I do. The Bengals and the Eagles. Where do I start? Let me think. So there wasn't a winner in this game because it was a tie. My team tied the Cincinnati Bengals. Joe Burrow got sacked eight times because Cincinnati doesn't have an O-line. And yet the defense... Oh, man, the defense. For anyone who's listened to my show for a while, you know that Jim Schwartz is not my favorite person in Philadelphia. 
And to see his defense so predictably play the Schwartz prevent, and I'm using air quotes for that, basically what that means is on a third and 15 in this game, the Eagles had all but their pass rushers line up at the first down line, and Cincinnati pretty easily converted a third and 15 because Schwartz's prevent defense is so maddeningly terrible it makes me want to smash my head in the wall but I mean yeah I'd maybe be more upset at the defense if the offense wasn't complete garbage and I get it the offense is missing like every player now because Dallas Goddard got hurt in this game Jason Peters I guess has is dealing with an injury now and yeah oh man the Eagles are running out of players but Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz played really well at the end of last season, especially considering he was throwing to zero receivers. This season, and I get the Eagles are super injured as much as like any team in the league, but he was playing the Bengals. The Bengals don't have a defense. And Wentz was terrible. Again. It's really frustrating, and... I know everyone wants to talk about the Doug Peterson electing to punt thing in this game, but honestly, that wasn't to me that wasn't the story of this game. The story of this game was the Eagles defense sucks and the Eagles offense somehow sucks more than the defense. So, anyway, the other reason I was upset about this game is because the Eagles deserve to be just hampered with criticism. But yet somehow they've avoided most of it because in spite of the fact this was a tie, that was the most positive result in the NFC East this weekend, which is hilarious. And it also means the division is terrible. So, anyway, that's my thought on that. Moving on, Texans and Steelers. So, Pittsburgh is 3-0. They beat Houston and Deshaun Watson. I feel bad for the guy. He's just in a rough situation right now. Pittsburgh, though, it hasn't been pretty but they've found ways to win. So credit to the Steelers. Next game, Colts and Jets. So I mentioned the Giants might be in the running for the number one overall pick. I think the Jets are just edging them out right now. The Jets are the only team in football to not have held a lead at all this season. They lost 36-7 against the Indianapolis Colts. Sam Darnold looks like a complete another bust. And I mean, there's no other way to say it. He's a total bust. There's really no redeeming qualities to Sam Darnold right now. He's just... A mistake-prone, inaccurate quarterback. And the Colts aren't great, but they played the worst team in the league. Panthers and Chargers. So this one, close game. Carolina found a way to get their first win under head coach Matt Rule. I guess they had some meetings after their loss against Tampa Bay last week. And I guess that seemed to help as far as team cohesion, which is nice to see from a young team like Carolina. Lions came up with a big upset this week, 26-23 over the Arizona Cardinals. Arizona, it's probably a growing pains loss for them because this is still a young team that needs to figure out how to win. But credit to Detroit for coming up with the upset. But for Arizona, you do have to kind of win these games to help get in the playoffs. Tampa Bay won very easily over the very injured Denver Broncos. Not, not a lot. Honestly, there's not a lot to say. Tampa Bay is a decent team that's starting to figure it out a little bit and Denver was just super injured Dallas lost by seven to Seattle because Russell Wilson is continuing to just obliterate the entire NFL with his play 
He is nothing short of exceptional. And Dallas is very bad on defense. And Seattle is also very bad on defense. But not quite as bad as the Cowboys. And that's pretty much the story of this game. Packers came up with a win against the Saints. It was a lot of dinking and dunking, but New Orleans actually played pretty well offensively. But their defense could not stop Aaron Rodgers whatsoever. And so Green Bay is now 3-0, joining Chicago. And then Monday night. So Chiefs and Ravens, this was the big game, the marquee match of the week. Kansas City ended up winning this 34-20. to And it was actually a lot... It wasn't as close as the scoreline suggests. Patrick Mahomes was great in this game. He really was. And Lamar Jackson struggled throwing the ball, although that was also partially just his receivers. The Chiefs' defense came up really big in this game, though. And for Baltimore, it's kind of another example of how they need to win. They need to win a big game this season because this Ravens team is really good, but they got to win when it matters. And this was one of those games. But Kansas City is still the best until proven otherwise, being the Super Bowl champions. All right, and the other story, the COVID-19 situation. So apparently there were three Titans players who tested positive after the weekend in their win against the Vikings. Not a single Vikings player has tested positive as of yet, but that could certainly change because the incubation period on it is certainly more than just a couple days. But Tennessee has now suspended all in-person activities until Saturday, and Minnesota is currently suspending their in-person activities. So... Oh, man. COVID-19 has struck in the NFL, and we'll see where it goes from here. This is an ongoing developing story, but one to monitor throughout the season. All right, and the last thing I wanted to get to, European soccer notes, just from the different leagues that have started up again. So, Serie A, Inter Milan, if you haven't seen that game, they played against Fiorentina. Crazy game. They won 4-3 to three on a last-minute goal to... Yeah, it was just a crazy game. Ton of goals both ways. Fiorentina and Inter. Inter trying to challenge Juventus this season for the title. In the Bundesliga, Bayern Munich lost to Hoffenheim, which came as a huge shock, I think, to everybody because Bayern Munich looked pretty much invincible over the last few months. But Hoffenheim found a way. And so credit to them, but not a great result for Bayern Munich. Certainly not anything to worry about, in my opinion, but definitely not a good game for them. In La Liga, Luis Suarez scored on his Atletico Madrid debut. And looks a little weird with him wearing that jersey. But anyway, Barcelona, I think they're going to miss Suarez, I think, later on this season. As the, as the season goes on type of thing. In the Premier League, meanwhile, Everton looked really, really good with their new additions of Decore, Alan, and James Rodriguez. Liverpool is asserting their dominance, and I think all the people calling for Liverpool's demise were certainly way premature on that. Manchester City got blown up by Leicester in their game 5-2, which kind of shows the need for a guy like Koulibaly in their defense, who they probably need to sign. Man United and Chelsea, meanwhile, very, very sloppy in their results against Crystal Palace and West Brom, respectively, and so they certainly have a ways to to go but that's it that's all i got for my show today i want to thank everyone for listening in to my show and once again be happy be healthy and stay safe everybody